0: continuing in and actually wrapping up our sermon series, Stranger Things. This is a sermon series that we kicked off five weeks ago. Uh, It's from the TV show, Stranger Things. It was launched on Netflix, and uh, it's just a show about... These kids in the 80s, how many 80s kids do we have out there? How many 80s kids? That's right, that's what I'm talking about. We're awesome. So it's about these kids in the 80s and they're just doing life and they're doing their thing and they're just kind of enjoying middle school and all of a sudden one of them goes missing and then this girl shows up in their life and this girl gives them an opportunity to see things from a completely different perspective. She opens her eyes to this reality of life and the world and all of these things. Things that they never thought were imagined before, never thought could be real. They thought it was fantasy at best, but her presence in their life opened their eyes to something greater and something deeper. We have been saying from this entire series, is that, quoting a the theologian, he says that every story, it borrows from a deeper and a truer story, which is the gospel. And I love Tim Keller, he says this, it's the same ideas that as this girl showed up in their lives and opened their eyes to this whole new reality, so should Jesus, as he shows up in our lives, he should shape our reality, he should change everything. Nothing should be able to remain the same once we encounter and understand the truth that Jesus is real, that Jesus lived, that he died and he rose again. It should change everything in our lives. Tim Keller, he says this, he says that Christianity doesn't give you what you want. If that's what you hear, sorry. But Christianity doesn't give you what you want. It is more like an explosion that destroys everything you had to make way for something new. And that's what Jesus is about. Jesus is to come into our lives. He came into this world to open our eyes to a deeper reality, to a deeper truth that God is in love with us, that God cares for us, that God wants to be with us. God wants to do life with us, and he wants us to understand and be engaged in the life that he has for us and the things that he wants us to do instead of the things we have for ourselves. He wants to see things from a new perspective. He wants our eyes to be opened up. So he sent his son into the world who lived an extraordinary life that you and I could not live. And he died the death that you and I deserve so that we could have the life that he's promised us in him. And that's this extraordinary truth. There's this deep reality that it changes everything. It's a whole new reality. It's a whole new paradigm. It's a whole new understanding of life. And when you come in contact with Jesus, hopefully that you have. it. if you haven't, maybe that's your night is tonight is to encounter Christ. But as you come into contact with Jesus, as he entered into your life as Lord and Savior, there should be this reality that nothing is the same anymore. Everything's different. That it turned everything upside down down that life changed for you and that's what we started talking about last week is this idea of change and transitions because we can't ignore it. Change and transition, it's happening everywhere. It's always going to be a reality in our life. How many of you can go through a day where something goes exactly the way you want it to, right? Everything changes. There's always a moment where you're just like, that's not what I planned on. That's not what I wanted to have happen. I shared a story last week. I haven't had a chance to meet the little boy yet, but it's going to happen soon. And I'm still trying to think through and praying that God will help me to use discernment at that moment in love and grace but a little boy in my daughter's second grade class has started writing her love notes and declaring his love to her in very, very passionate ways. And it's bothering me, and I'm disturbed by it. My little girl should not be pursued by a boy yet, but it's changing, right? Things change. Our son, he's 11, get ready to turn 12, and that boy is changing every single day. I'm quickly approaching 40, and life is changing on a regular basis. What I can eat and what I can't eat and how I sleep, it changes all the time, right? Relationships that we have with our friends, with our family, circumstances can cause them to change. Our job situations in a moment can change based on a new boss or a new opportunity, right? Change is everywhere. It's present. It's something that's always going to be a reality in our lives, and so how we handle change... How we respond to change, it's important for us to have an understanding, a grasp, and a plan for it. Because how we handle change, it determines the way we're going to be able to move to this life. And we should look at it and say, if Jesus came into the world to change everything, if Jesus came in to give us a whole new perspective, a whole new understanding of everything, then we should be able to look at life and say, I can embrace change, and I can be excited about change. How many of you can say that? I'm excited about change. I can embrace change. How many of you can say that? Not very many people, so i got a lot of work cut out for me in this moment. That's good. That's good. So that's a life we should be able to live, though. Jesus, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 tonight. Jesus is in this moment with his disciples. He's talking to his disciples and, and all the kinds of things have been happening. In Matthew chapter 16, we see the leaders of the kingdom and all of those different things, or the Jewish Jewish leadership, they're starting to approach Jesus because he's stirring things up and he's ruffling some feathers and he, uh, in, in chapter 15, he fed thousands with a few fish and with a few loaves of bread. Like, I mean, things are new. Things are different. Change is definitely present. These guys have quit their jobs. They've left their Their normal routines, they've got new habits, life is new, life is different. Everything about them, everything about their circumstances, it's changed. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus begins to speak to Peter. He's speaking to all the apostles. He directs this conversation to Peter, but he's speaking to all of them, and he's speaking to you and I on how we can handle change and how we can understand and process change in our lives so that we can arrive at the place that God wants us to be. Because God wants us to be at a new place, discovering new things, living life in a new way. And so there's six principles that we are looking at through this story as Jesus is leading his disciples through change. There's six principles that we pulled out, and we looked at three of them last week, and we'll look at the last three this week. For a matter of just conversation, we'll talk about the three real fast that we hit last week. And the first one is this is that when you're going through change, you've got to define the relationship. Now, a lot of times, what happens in our lives is we do not like change, we do not handle change, because change represents the unknown. We like things that we know, we like things that we understand. That's why we like the past, because the past can be looked at, it can be evaluated, it can be studied, it can be understood, it can be grasped. The past can be put in a package, and we like packages. The future, we don't know what it is. We don't know what the future can hold, we don't know what it's going to look like, and that scares the mess out of us. And it makes us handle the present just timidly. I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm kind of there, I'm kind of not. And we struggle with change. And a lot of times what happens is is we see relationships begin to fall to the wayside. We see things happen in our lives where, man, I used to be super close to that person. Or I used to love going to that place. And all of a sudden something happened and now there's a tear in that relationship. There's a break in that existence of what you used to know and now. And a lot of times it's because we didn't stop, we didn't pause to refocus and define the relationship. Here's what I mean by that. I joked around about it last week, nobody found it funny, so I'll try to throw it out there again this week. But if you are ever just it happens to us guys mostly, but high school and college, you're super close and you notice a girl and you're talking and then one day you're just like, "Okay, I got I got to define what's going on here, right? We got to talk. You know, we got to sit down and say evaluate, "Hey, I like you. Do you like me?" And then she's like, "You're like a brother to me." And you're like, <clears throat> "Oh, right?" oh, you're my best friend, friend zone. It's like the most painful thing in the world, right? It's just that moment of just like, oh. But you've got to have that, right? You've got to have those moments where you have those conversations because you don't know. There's nothing more painful than being like, does she like me? Does she not like me? I don't know, right? You're going through life, and you just don't ask the question. And then you watch her start dating somebody else, and then it just rips your heart out even more. Like, it happens, right, all the time. I was in the friend zone all the time, but it's all right. I got an amazing wife. Jesus was saving me. It's all good. But you've got to have those moments for you to find those relationships. But when change presents itself when you're close to somebody, You've got to stop and you've got to define the relationship. Things are different now. So let's talk about that. How are we going to engage now? Things are different, so we have to have different conversations. I have to reestablish in my daughter's life who I am to her as her father. There's a new reality in her life. She's being pursued by another boy. So I have to define the relationship and say, okay, things are different. I get that. You're gorgeous. You're beautiful. You're, you're an amazing girl. Boys are going to pursue you for the rest of your life. I get that. Hey, by the way, Michelle got hit onto the grocery store this week. That's awesome. Okay, so um, so like... So, you know, like you gotta define those moments, you gotta define those relationships, you gotta be engaged, right? And say, hey, like I, I, things are different, so let's talk about how they're different. Let's talk about how we're gonna talk about the change that's happening in our lives. But so many times we don't do that, we don't engage in that conversation, and that's where the fracturing of relationship begins to happen. And it's the same thing in our lives with Jesus is that we've got to stop in a moment of change and in a moment of transition, we've got to stop and hear him ask the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He's defining the relationship with Peter and his apostles in this moment. Hey, guys, things are getting ready to change. Things are getting ready to radically change. Like, you don't even understand the change that's on the horizon. And I, before anything happens, before I begin to have that conversation with you, I want you to understand and I want you to get who I am in your life. I want to know the voice that I have in your life. I want to know the authority I have to speak To you. In a moment of change and transition, we've got to stop and we've got to hear Jesus asking us the question, Who do you say I am? And we've got to define that relationship. This is going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I don't know how I'm going to move through this, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, I know who you are to me. You're my friend. You're my brother. You're my provider. You're my keeper. You're someone I can trust in. You are the Lord. You are God. You are the son of God. You are the one who died on the cross for me so that I can have all hope and joy. In a moment of change and transition, you have to stop and hear Jesus saying, who do you say I am? And you have to respond and say, this is who you are. And you are greater than this change and transition. And I'm going to trust you in that moment. Because if you don't, you're going to begin to pull away from him. And you're going to begin to look for your own strength and your own ideas and your own desires to fill the need that only Jesus can fill. Which is our second point, is that you have to confirm the source. You have to confirm the source. Jesus is talking to Peter and Jesus, sorry, Zach, I'm messing you all up back there, but he's just talking to Peter and he says, listen, hey, he's like, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the son of God. And he's like, that's right. But you didn't get that answer of yourself God himself gave that to you. What Jesus is speaking to Peter in that moment is, is Peter, you've got to understand the source which is in you that reveals truth, that is calling out greatness in you, that's helping you to understand things that you can't understand. It is God himself. It's his spirit inside of you. That has to be the source that you pull on. That has to be the source that you call from. You have to identify and know that you are a child of God, and my Holy Spirit is in you and with you you and he is your source of strength he's your source of wisdom he's your source of understanding you need to pull from that source it's not what you can do or how you can do things or what you think you should do or could do it's about what the Holy Spirit is doing in you because of what I did on the cross come on right you've got to confirm the source you guys are too quiet thirdly you've got to investigate the opportunity you've got to investigate the opportunity I am gonna read this act, Matthew chapter 16, slide four, Matthew 16, and verse 18, it says this. It says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. I want you to notice two things in this verse right here. It says, I say to you that you are Peter. In John chapter, I think we have this slide as well, but in John chapter, no, we don't. John chapter 1, verse 42, he's talking to Peter when he first meets him, and his name's not Peter, and he says, you will be Peter. When Jesus first meets Peter, he says, you will be, and now they're in this moment where they've been doing life together, they're doing relationship together, and they're a moment of change and transition, and Jesus looks at him and says, you are Peter. Peter, he's calling greatness out of him. He's looking at him and says, listen, this is a moment of change. This is a moment of transition. This is a moment where you are going to experience something that you've never even imagined experience." But Peter, I want you to see that this is an opportunity for growth. Where you were known before for instability, where you were known before for weakness, where you were known before for being sporadic and just passionate and emotional and just saying things out of the side of your mouth, you are now going to be known for reliability. You're going to be known for assurance. You are going to be a rock. And he's speaking to Peter, and he's calling greatness out of him. He says, you are Peter. Put the verse back up there. And then he says this. He says, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. The word he uses here for church, the Greek word, it's derived from a word that has the meaning, a verb that has the meaning to call out. He's speaking to Peter and he's saying, listen, I'm going to call out of you that which you don't see in this moment of change and transition. Peter, you are going to discover an opportunity and a moment for growth in this moment of change and transition that you never thought that you could have. Peter, you are going to see who I want you to be. Peter, you're going to become a new person. Peter, you are going to be the apostles, each and every one of you, John, Matthew, Luke. You are going to be the ones that I'm going to build my church on. We have to, in moments of change and transition, investigate the opportunity. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it's not fun. I know it's not something we can get excited about. When change and transition happens, it's a moment for growth and it's a moment for opportunity. It's a moment that we should embrace and celebrate because it's a moment where we get to discover something new about Jesus. And it's a moment where Jesus gets us to help us see Something new about us that he already sees in us. We've got to investigate the opportunity. When you're seeing a moment of change and transition happen, don't run from it. Investigate the opportunity. God, what are you going to do in this moment? God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what do you want to open my eyes to? God, what do you want me to be engaged in in this moment? The word that he actually uses here for church is the word ecclesia. And this word, it means congregation and assembly. See, Peter and the apostles and all of the Jews, they're expecting the Messiah to come up on the scene to become king so that he can build a kingdom there in Jerusalem. And Jesus, this passage and another passage in Matthew are the two places he uses this word. And he uses it to instill in their hearts, this is going to look different than you thought it was going to look. This isn't going to be about a king and a place. This is going to be about a people, and it's going to be about a life that I'm calling you to live, that I'm enabling you to live. It's going to be a place. It's going to be a a, a gathering, an assembly of people around me, knowing me as God, and you are going to have a voice in that assembly. You are going to have an understanding and a place to speak that you thought you were just going to participate you've been called to be an integral part you have a voice you aren't just going to observe change you're going to be the change so it's an incredible moment as he's speaking to them he's calling them out to greatness and to new things and he speaks to him he's like listen this life that i'm calling you to there's so much more that i want you to know there's so much more that i want you to be a part of i don't know about you but i like change I asked last week how many people like change, and not very many hands went up. So we'll do it again. How many people like change? Okay, all right, just a couple of us. Just a couple of us. See, some husbands raise their hands, and wives not raising their hands. That's always fun, right? I like change. I love change because change—it's just something new. Like I love seasons. I don't. I can't. We lived in Florida for the longest time, and it's just hot and nasty all of the time. It's just gross. I like seasons because I like change. Right? I'm ready for fall. How many of you are ready for fall? Just get here already. That's what. I'm, see, you like change. Come on, you like change. So, listen. In this moment, Jesus is speaking to them. And he's like, "Listen, listen. Things are getting ready to change, and I want you to see that it's not just me something that you're going to watch, but it's just something that you're going to be a part of. It's something that you need to embrace and be excited about." Because it's going to reveal who I am and what I've come to do. And it's going to reveal who you are because of me. It's going to open your eyes to a whole new world of opportunities. Be engaged and be excited and embrace this life. Last week, Michelle and I, uh, things you know, for everybody, right? In fall, everything just gets a little bit crazy. And uh, so we've been super busy. And so um, I can't not make her a priority, right? And so the other day... Um, We took some time off, and uh, we went to Busch Gardens on Friday morning uh, because nobody was there on Friday morning. So we got to ride a lot of roller coasters. It was awesome, right? And we didn't have our kids with us begging for pretzels and dipping dots and all that crazy stuff. We got to go where we wanted to and do what we wanted to. It was awesome. And so we go on there, and we go to Apollo's Chariot first, right? I love Apollo's Chariot. So we get out there, and that's the first one we get on. And so we get into the roller coaster, and we're sitting there, and we're strapped in. To the thing. And so we're on the front row because why not, right? You got to, if you're going to do it, you got to do it, right? So we're on the front row and we're sitting there. I was like, all right, babe, all right, we got to make sure we raise our hands and lift our feet. I love it on that ride because you can, like, there's moments, especially if you push the harness out just a little bit. Mike, don't listen. But if you push the harness out a little bit, right, then you can kind of float a little bit in the chair and like, so your legs are like kind of dangling. It's just so much fun. So I was sitting there. I was like, Cohen, you got to do this. And she's like, no, my hands stay right here the whole time. I was like, no, come on. Experience a whole new life in roller coasters. Just raise your hands. And I'm t- it's a whole new experience. Like, dangle your feet. It's awesome. Just raise one hand. It's just, it opens your mind to a whole new world. She's like, I'm not doing it. My hands are staying right here. You ride roller coasters like a moron? I don't. Right? And I'm just like, come on, you've got to do this. This is the way to ride roller coasters. And she's like, no, that's your opinion. I said, no, it's a fact and you won't accept it. Right? And so we're just like arguing back and forth. And so, of course, we ride the roller coaster and I'm just like flapping around like a goofus, you know, and just like having so much fun. And then we get back and like, you know, we're just laughing and it was just so much fun. It's that sense that Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this moment. He says, listen, there is so much more beyond what you can see. There's so much more. There's so much more depth to life. There's so much more breadth to life. There's so much more that you can dream. There's so much more that you could hope for. There's so much more you can do. There's so much more you can accomplish. You can overcome more than you think you can overcome. You can go through things that you never thought you could go through. You can do so much more. There's so much more to life. I want you to let go. I want you to embrace this moment. I want you to step into this new opportunity that I'm Given you. And so he speaks to his disciples in this moment and he's given them those three points. So the next three are this. The fourth one, if you want to write it down that way, the fourth one is this how to handle change and transition. It's to understand the opposition. Understand the opposition. After we got off of Apollo's chariot, we went over to Tempesto because it's right there and that road's just awesome, even though it looks like the Miami Dolphins colors which should make it absolutely horrible, but it's really fun. I'm a Dolphins fan, just in case you don't know that. So I can say that. So we get on to Tempesto. We're in line for Tempesto. And of course, we're going up front because why not, right? So we get in line for the front. And so we're in line. And the ride that gets on before us, the group of people, they get on. And as they're sitting there, they get on, they get their straps on, and all of a sudden, it takes off. And then have you ever seen that? It takes off this way, and then it comes back through this way, right? So they go And then they come back, and then they stop. And so when they stop, I look over at the person in the little booth thing that pushes the buttons. You know, I look over at that person, and she's just like, (laughs) which is exactly what you always want to see in the moment. She's like, (laughs) and then she looks over, and he's just like, (gasps) I don't know. And so he's just like, go again. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's go again. Let's see what happens, right? I'm not on it. So it's just like, so all right, so I'm just sitting there. And so they go to get, and they don't move. And so they're just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, the harnesses pop off. Like, they kind of, like, release, you know? And so they're just like, oh. And so they kind of go through, and they undo the straps, and they put the straps back on, and then they lock them back in, they go through and check, and they're just like, all right, let's go through again. And then they push the button, and they don't go anywhere. So they're just like, oh, and I'm like, oh, man, the ride's going to break. I was like, this is a bummer. I was like, oh, oh well, you know, and so of sitting there. And so they're just kind of looking, and they push the button again, and the group takes off. And they go back through, and they go through the whole ride. And I was like, that was awesome. Who knows what just happened? But they made it so that we got on there, and we had a ton of fun. I screamed my hands in the air the whole time, right? So we were laughing about it. We are just like, what in the world? So then we go to Verbolton. Best ride, I think, in the park, right? Verbolton's so awesome. And so we go into Verbolton, and as we go up there, we wait in line. It's actually the longest line of the whole park. We actually laid it for like 35 minutes. And as we get up there, I was just like, hey, I don't know about you, but if something happens, I might not want to ride this ride, right? And so she's like, yeah, me too. And so we go through the line, and as we're going into the line, we walk up, and the car goes in front of us. It doesn't go anywhere. They're like, hey, we're experiencing technical difficulties at this time, and the ride's closed for a while. And we're like, oh goodness should we leave the park and then we're like no let's go to mock tower so we go over to mock tower there's no line so we walk into mock tower and as we walk into mock tower get in the seats and I'm telling her a story that somebody had just recently told me about how they were sitting up top and something fell and everybody freaked out and all this different stuff as they're strapping us in and she hates me and it's so funny and so we're just strapped in and we're just laughing and then she's like you're telling me this now and then we start to go up and it stops Right? And it stops. And so we're just like, what in the world is happening right now? And we're like, you know what? We should just go ahead and call it good. Go eat a turkey leg and have a great day. Right. When we're going through life and there's change and there's transitioning to happen. We shouldn't be scared that there's gonna be opposition, that there's gonna be things that are gonna come against us. When we're going through change and transition, we should do everything we can to prepare and to get ready for the opposition that is coming. As Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's talking to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and verse B, he says this to them. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer He's talking about the church, the universal church, all the powers of hell will not conquer the church, but he's also speaking to Peter, and he's speaking to all of the apostles, and he's speaking to you and me, because when you're getting ready to face your greatest opposition, you're closest to your biggest breakthrough. In a moment where you're facing opposition, in a moment where you are realizing the opportunity that God's given you, and you step into that moment, and you say, I'm ready, I'm following Jesus, no turning back, and you can hear Cam and Danny singing in your voice in the background, you're like, yeah, this is it, we're going to do this thing, I can accept change, I can embrace it. Then you, in that moment, you need to understand that there's an opposition that is working against you, does not want you to understand, doesn't want you to know the victory that God has for you. If I could ever give, even get close to having Michelle raising her hands on roller coasters after three roller coasters in a row not working, it probably won't happen for quite a long time, right? The enemy is going to do anything he can to discourage you from the freedom of life in Christ. He's going to do anything he can to cause you to be disappointed, to walk away, to give up, to just throw you in the towel, to say, I'm done with this thing. But listen, when you're in a moment of opposition, you are in that time closest to your biggest great breakthrough. Do not give up. As Jesus is talking to them and he says, gates, there's literal in their mind as Jews, there's literal interpretation of uh, the gates of hell, what they're hearing and what they're understanding that moment is literally hell, that, that even if you lose your life, even if it costs everything, even if... You feel like your life is going to be taken. Even if it's the worst and the worst of moments, you will still prevail in that moment. Nothing can conquer what I'm doing in your life and what I'm doing through the church. Nothing can defeat it. You are free to live life full on in any moment, in any situation. A different understanding and a different interpretation of the gates of hell in that time that maybe has a little bit more of an oriental feel to it. It's not so much the literal hell of death and the grave, but it's a a sense of the attack of the enemy that the the, the devil is scheming. Him and his demons are scheming to attack you, to frustrate you, to discourage you, to make you walk away. It's a sense that that everything can come against you in this moment of opposition. And he's saying, listen, in this moment, when you were living your life for me, when I am your foundation and you are living this life, that I've called you to live. No scheming, no death, no shame, no pain. Nothing can conquer it. What I've set out to do is going to be accomplished in your life and through the church. That is what I've called you to do. So understand that when you are in a moment of change, it's an opportunity for you to grow in your understanding of who God is and what he wants to do in your life. And when you begin to see the opportunity, you begin to investigate the things that are happening. And you're looking forward to it. God, how can you work this out? Things are different at our home, but I know you want to do something more. God, this relationship's changed, but I know that you're going to help me to understand myself in a whole new way. God, i got to work with this really difficult boss that I don't want to work with but you're going to reveal something in me. You're going to shape my character. God, our church has got to move to a whole new building, and we got to start in a whole new location. What is it that you're speaking to us in those moments? As you begin to investigate that, there will be opposition. But in those moments, don't fear the opposition. Trust Jesus in those moments and wait to see the breakthrough. Wait to see the breakthrough. Wait to see the victory. Have an expectation that nothing can stop what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in the church. Have faith, have boldness, have assurance, and live the life that God's called you to. Still look for the opportunity. Chase after it and pursue it. Because he's not calling us just to understand the opposition, he's calling for us to defy the opposition. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says this, that the enemy is roaming around looking to what? Still kill, and destroy. But in verse 10, what does he say? He says, I came, what? To give life. And life rich and satisfying life abundantly. That's what he's came for. So the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to take away. He wants to demolish. He wants to discourage. He wants you to be frustrated. But Jesus has come so that you can have life. And not just life, but life abundantly. That not can you just understand the opposition and some succumb to it, whatever that word is that I'm trying to say. But that you can defy the opposition. That you can stand up and hold your head up and say, even in this, if you take... take... Take my life. Jesus, his purposes, and his word, it will prevail. Even if we have to move locations again, this church has a place and it has a purpose. And what God is doing in this church and through this church, it will prevail. What God is doing in your life and wanting to accomplish in your life, no matter what comes against it, it will prevail. You will see victory no matter what happens. Understand there is opposition, but trust him and look to him. Because, listen, opposition is going to come. It's going to come but nothing can come against you i love this in first corinthians paul he calls out in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 55 and 4 and 5 he says this then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die this scripture will be fulfilled death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your victory O death where is your sting there's nothing that can tear you down. There's nothing that can destroy you. There's nothing that can touch you and your soul. But oftentimes what happens in moments of change and transition, what we're looking for is safety. We move away from the moment of change instead of looking for the opportunity of what God wants to do in it because looking for what God wants to do, it's risky. It can cost us something. It can challenge us. We're going to have to give something up. We're going to have to do something differently. We're going to have to have tough conversations. But it's easier to step back, and it's sometimes more fun to be safe. But this life in Christ is not about safety. This life in Christ, it's about security. It's about knowing that even in moments when you're not safe and even in moments when you're facing difficult opposition, even in moments when you're living at great risk, even in moments when things are challenging and you don't seem to make sense of them all, that God is with you, God is working through those moments, and you are secure in him. Death itself has no hold on you. So the last thing we see in this point of change and transition is when you have opportunity and when you have opposition, It gives you responsibility. So the last point is this, is realize your responsibility. Realize your responsibility. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. I'm just kidding. I got one more after this. Verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven in heaven as he's speaking to them and he's saying these word keys there's two things that's going on in their mind if you're given the keys of a building then you are given superintendence. you're giving access you're given authority you're giving responsibility to care for and to be a part of what takes place in that building so he's speaking to the apostles and he's saying listen You are given the keys. You're given access to the kingdom of God. You are given authority in the kingdom of God. You are given a role. You have responsibility in the things that... We are doing, And I'm not giving this to you so that it can be lorded over other people, so that it can be held over their heads, so that you can do that. But I'm giving this to you so that you can serve people, so that you can love people, so that you can open their minds, open their hearts to the gospel truth, to the reality of my life and what I'm doing. I'm giving you the keys so you can help people see all the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm wanting to do in their life. The other aspect of the keys is it's a more philosophical idea, and it's a sense of knowledge and abilities that you've been given the keys, you've been given an understanding it was held in their time that the Jewish leaders, that they had everything locked up, we even see this as the early church grew a little bit, that the church would lock up Bibles so that people couldn't read it, so they could have the power of things, horrible idea but it's this sense of the leaders holding things up, but he's saying to them, listen you've been given access, you have the keys to understand what I'm doing, you have the keys to get knowledge of what I'm doing in your life and what I'm doing in this world the truth of who God is and what he's doing. It's laid out in front of you. I myself am going to teach it to you. My Holy Spirit is going to be with you when I'm gone and you're going to understand things. You're going to be able to teach. You're going to be able to engage people so that they can know the truth of the gospel and live that gospel out and so he gives them in this moment he gives them a mission and says listen you are now responsible you now you've been given keys so you have a responsibility you have a role of leadership you have a role of authority you have a role of purpose to go out and help advance the kingdom in the world now, Peter and the apostles, they had a unique role and responsibility, specifically in helping us to understand and define the gospel truth in scriptures through the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, this truth is still there for us, is that beyond that, now reading the scriptures that God has spoken through them, he is speaking to us. He's opening our hearts and he's opening our minds to the things that he's doing in this world. He's helping us in moments when we're engaging with people that we now have access to speak the gospel into their lives, to bring Grace and hope and joy into their lives. That we now have the privilege and the opportunity to step into any situation and say, That's not what's happening. Let me tell you what's really happening. Don't hang your head down, hold your head high because here is the hope that's in front of you. That is what we now have the opportunity to do. That's the access that we've been given, that's the life that He's calling us to live. So we have this mission to go and do these things, and we have this commission that we are supposed to go. We have to be engaged. When you see God working in your life and you begin to see the opportunity of what he's doing, how he's shaping your character, how he's developing you, how he's giving you new opportunities, how he's moving you to new places, not just so that you can live somewhere else, but so that you can talk to somebody else, so that you can be a minister of grace to somebody else, so that you can be an ambassador of peace to somebody else. If you now have a new job and you've been improved in your job, you've been advanced in your job, now you have authority over other people so that you can extend grace to them, so that you can show them what it is to be a moral and respectful leader, so that they can watch your life and see the goodness of God, you have been put on mission because you've been given the keys and the kingdom of heaven is the gospel and that's what you're supposed to live out. So we've got to be engaged in this life and we have to realize our responsibility that a moment of change, a moment of transition, it's not just something that we have to endure. A moment of change and transition, it's an opportunity. And in that opportunity, there's going to be opposition because that opportunity could be the thing that moves us to the next place God wants us to be, to discover the next grace and truth that he wants us to have and to live. And when we go through that and we see the breakthrough, we see the victory, now we have this opportunity to declare God's goodness at a whole another level. And the enemy doesn't want that. But as we engage in those things, that is the responsibility he has for us, and that's the life that he wants us to live. As the worship team comes up, I'm going to give you this last point, and we'll wrap it up. This will going to be fast. Last one is this, is develop your motivations. Develop your motivations. In verse 20 of chapter 16, he says to Peter, Then he sternly warned the disciples to all of them. He says, not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Seems a little bit odd. And every time I read that, I'm just like, I don't understand what Jesus was doing in that moment. But if you stop and you think about it, as we were talking about earlier, the disciples were expecting a king who was going to come in and set up a kingdom. A Messiah who was going to come and set up this whole new kingdom, who was going to overthrow the government that was there. And it was going to be this whole new experience. So he's speaking to them as this is their desire, this is their want. And if they know him to be the Messiah, it would be easy for them of men uh, of a community that now have some sense of influence, even greater than what they've had before, that now they're able to go and they're able to amass a crowd pretty easily. They can get people around that pretty quick. And in doing that, they can make themselves look pretty good. Jesus, at this point, for reasons of advancing the gospel, for declaring who he is and what he was doing, he didn't want that. And in fact, in John chapter 6, verse 15, we can see that Jesus, in a moment when things were going on, that Jesus himself, he slipped away into the hills because they wanted to make him king. Jesus understood the moment, and he understood what was going on, and he understood the desires of the hearts of his followers in that moment. And in that moment, what he was telling the disciples is, is keep this to yourself. Because what you want to have happen is not what's going to happen. And I want you to have patience, and I want you to have peace, and I want you to right now mature. I want you to develop your motivations. Don't want the things that are easy to get. Don't cop out. Don't just desire the small things in your heart. But desire the things that I have for you and the things that I want to do through you. See, Jesus was speaking to them and he's telling them, listen, I'm going to build my church on you. When you think about it, these guys that are sitting there talking to Jesus, they don't even know yet about his death and his resurrection. They can't even comprehend all of these things. And yet thousands of years later, we're still talking about them. And the most influential man in all of history who is dynamic in every way and influences and changes every conversation and changes every moment and changes lives on a daily basis, Jesus is sitting right in front of them. And he's saying, you don't even understand the things I want to do calls out in Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 5, it says this, it, said, it says, the Lord replied, look around you at the nations, look at and be amazed. For I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. In a moment of change and transition, it's an opportunity for you to grow. It's a chance for you to step into a new place, to grow as a follower of Christ, to grow as a wife, to grow as a husband, to grow as a son, as a brother, as a sister, as an uncle, as a boss, as a co-worker, as a neighbor, as a friend. It's a chance for you to grow. It's a chance for your character to be shaped. It's a chance for you to discover who God is to you and who He's going to be. And He's calling out greatness in you. And He's speaking in this moment. You no longer have to deal with these things. You no longer have to hold back from this stuff. You no longer have to be where you are and live the way you are. I'm calling greatness out of you. I'm calling you to another level. I'm calling you higher. There's something in you that I want to do that you can't even imagine. There's something I want to do through you that's bigger than you could even hope for and dream for. And even in this moment, it looks like a small change. It looks like an incremental change. Even if I told you what I was doing in your life right now, you wouldn't believe it. So don't settle. What are your motivations? It could have been easy for them just to be like, we got the answer. we got the key. He's the guy. Let's go and tell everybody what for something so much less than what God wanted to do through them and for them. Don't settle. Sometimes in moments of change and motiv- change and transition, the things that motivate us are the things that just get us out of it the quickest. Stop and just rest. He's good and He's got you. In that moment, He wants you to learn something. He wants you to see something. He wants you to grow in that moment. Don't resist. Don't fear. Don't hide, but embrace it and run to Him and trust Him. You can't even imagine what it could be and what He's wanting to do. So if Christianity for you... If it hasn't radically changed everything in your life, then tonight I'm praying and I'm asking during this time as we worship and as we sing this song, will you call out to him and say that you need him? Will you call out to him and say, God, I need you so that in a moment, God, I know that you're there. Can you open my eyes to who you are? Right now, I'm going through something crazy, difficult, painful. This transition, it's not fun. This change is not easy. God, in this moment, can you see? Can you help me to see what you're doing and what you're wanting to do in my life? Can you help me to see the opportunity that you've called me to have, the life that you want me to live? In this moment, can you ask Jesus to come into your life in such a real and a powerful way that it changes everything? That you embrace him and walk away from the things that you have and things that you were doing and you embrace him as your lord and savior and tonight you choose significance over safety you choose purpose over comfort and you let him reveal to you a whole new world and you accept his invitation out of the ordinary and say god i'm ready to embrace you and i'm ready to live this life that you're calling me to live i don't want to look at any situation as just a normal situation God, I want to believe and hope and trust that you're always working and you're always doing something great. So will you stand and worship with us? I have to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back No turning